television lovers. Welcome to The TV Doctor, a podcast based on the idea that television has the power to heal some of the wounds we pick up just by existing in this increasingly wild world of ours. I am the TV doctor. I go by the name Emphos. And while I'm not a doctor on TV, I play one in real life. I'm a PhD kind of doctor, not a physician. So the prescriptions that I write are of the mediated variety, and you don't need insurance to be my patient. This podcast is a place where I get to merge my professional life, my job as a professor who studies and teaches this stuff, with my personal passion for the topic of representation in television and my real desire to help as many people as possible. I'm here to let you know what you should be watching to feel better about your life. That's all. In my last episode, I mentioned how I'm launching a new limited series or theme for the podcast. I've named it Physician Heal Thyself. I'm going to be answering the questions that I typically ask my guests on the show. I have a set of about 10 questions that I ask of my second opinion guests so my audience can get to know them a little more because... There's no better way, or at least there's no more entertaining way to get to know what someone's about than hearing their answers to questions about their TV likes and loves and hates and obsessions and so on. My go-to question when I'm in a forced small talk situation is, so what are we watching on TV these days? If people say, oh, I'm watching the House of the Dragon, I'm like, okay, well, let's talk more about that, all right? But if people say, oh, I'm watching House of Dragons, (laughs) especially if they call it that with just a skosh of irony, then I'm scooting my chair over and we are talking about TV the rest of the night. No one else matters. And if they say, oh, I don't watch TV, then I collect my things and me and my cocktail are off to find a new adventure because that person is not my people. So yeah, I'm going to answer these questions that I typically reserve for others. Don't worry, though. My regular three-segment format isn't going anywhere. In fact, the next episode is going to give you a proper over-the-counter recommendation, which is the TV doctor's version of a televisual multivitamin, a show that we should all be watching. You're also going to get an urgent care response, which is where I prescribe a TV show in direct response to a list of symptoms sent to me in the form of a question from the audience. And of course, you'll get a second opinion segment and trust it's going to be a really good one. But for now, I'm going to tackle another one of my guest questions. What should I call these questions? Does anybody have thoughts on that? Are they like, a pre-op interview or something like that. I don't know. I'll work on it. But uh, feel free to send me suggestions. Email me at mfoss at thetvdoc.com or slide into my DMs on Insta. T-E-E-V-E-E-P-H-D. You know. All right. So in my last episode, I answered the question, what was your favorite show when you were a kid? Now I want to answer the question, what television world would you like to live inside? This question and the one about shipping typically get my guests to ask for clarification. 
I think they ask about shipping because a lot of people have no idea what that is. They ask about this one, though, I think, because there's just so many ways to come at such a question. For me, it's about which TV world or universe, really, is so compelling and attractive and cozy that you'd be happy to wake up and find that you, like an actual you, are now a character in that show. It's not what show you'd like to act in and then keep living your real life, right? It's what show do you wish was your real life? So which televisual world would I like to live inside? I bet you think my answer is going to be Star Trek. (laughs) Okay, well, listen, there are parts of Star Trek that I would 100% appreciate in my life. Would I enjoy the ability to just beam myself to the other side of the planet, like leave my house at 5.01 p.m. and arrive at my destination at 5.01 p.m.? Yes, please. Like say goodbye to air travel? Yup. And to be clear, it's not the air travel itself part I hate. It's the other people traveling by air part I hate. The people who refuse to wear a mask when it's just the easiest thing in the world to do. The people who sit right next to you at the gate when there are like dozens of empty seats away from you. The people who won't put their smaller baggage under their seat so they put their tiny little purse in the freaking overhead compartment or even worse, like their jacket. The people who eat onions on a flight. The people who don't wear socks and shoes on a flight. Like the people who don't listen to the flight attendants and then they make them say things upwards of like 20 times. I just, I I just can't. When I have to fly somewhere, that's when I have the least amount of faith in us as a species. Like humans were a cute idea, but it's not working out, (laughs) you know? So hopping on a transporter pad would alleviate all of that. It feels like it's got to be a greener way to travel too, right? But I would probably end up being the one who got erased or Got my pattern stuck in the buffer for 75 years or had my molecules scattered across the galaxy in some freak accident or something. So I'd probably be a reluctant beamer, but I'd still like the option. But in a move that may surprise some of you all, I'm going to tell you that Star Trek is not my choice, especially not original recipe Trek and not Strange New Worlds either. And here's why. As strange And science fiction, as the Trek universe may be, it's still firmly grounded in realism. And it's that realism that makes it unattractive for me. Trek claims to represent a time when most human social failings like racism and sexism and poverty have been resolved. They say with their words that racism is over and women can do anything men can do and poverty is a condition of the past. But then they show in their actions that racism disguised as speciesism is alive and well. And a woman can do anything a man can do as long as she's pretty, thin but curvy, brilliant, sassy but willing to be submissive, and of course, sexually available to the men. 
Their words say, hey, we fixed poverty, but their actions sing a song of capitalism's praises and colonialism is written into every Starfleet regulation there is. Star Trek's writers and creators built an idealistic world that wrote rubber checks. They couldn't talk to their modern audience about a future world without coming off as duplicitous. And that's the world we already live in, you know? So if I'm going to project myself into a space, a space, get it? (laughs) If I'm going to project myself into some kind of dream space, it's not going to be a space that continues to struggle with the same shit we're dealing with now, you know? I love Star Trek. Y'all know I do. And I would so be here for the replicators and the holodecks and the saucy jumpsuit options and the universal translators. But it's the hypocrisy for me. There is a case to be made for shows like Insecure or Girlfriends or Living Single. Wait, pause for the cause. Speaking of Living Single... If any of you watched the 2022 Emmys, especially the opening song and dance bit, there was a moment that you might have missed, but it was so good. Chef's kiss. The host of the Emmys was Kenan Thompson, uh, who is an underappreciated gem who gathered only a few of the field of flowers that are due to him. Um, But he opened the show with this song and dance thing where he got to dance to updated versions of some of the most identifiable television theme songs throughout the years. So in one of the first examples, we see Keenan jumping onto the iconic burnt orange couch from Friends. And then a bunch of dancers come out and they've got the umbrellas from the fountain scene and it's all very nostalgic and adorable or whatever. But then right before they move on to the next thing, Keenan says something like, hey, have you heard of that show Living Single? It's a zinger that probably went over a lot of heads. And that's fine because it didn't go over my head. It landed right in my glove. You see, kids, <laughs> Friends was essentially a um, whitewashed, there's no gentle way to say that, ripoff of Living Single. And everyone knows it. And Yvette Lee Bowser, who created Living Single, is still waiting for her credit and or coin for it. We'd prefer both. But we're not going to hold our breath about that happening. Anyway, those shows are not the shows that I would pick to live in. Again, there are aspects of them that I would love, right? I do want to live in the same city or the same building or the same house as my best friends. I do want to be decked out in all of the era-appropriate fashions, even the ones from the mid-1990s, Lord help us, Jesus be a pair of overalls buckled on both sides. I do want special guest stars like Gladys Knight and Giancarlo Esposito to just wander into my life on occasion. I want that. I do want a live studio audience to laugh at all my jokes. But it's kind of the same problem as I had with Star Trek. As lovely as all those characteristics or circumstances are, they can't erase the fact that the world depicted in those shows is really real. It hits too close to home for these particular purposes, right? 
it's wild because the fact that these shows hit close to home is both the reason why I love them so much and the reason why I would never choose to live within them. If I'm choosing a dream world, it's not going to be the one where I get into a massive fight with my bestie and we don't speak for almost a year. It's not going to be the one where there are miscarriages or custody hearings, right? It's not going to be the one where I have to work with my cousin who collects and displays troll dolls in our shared workspace. It's got to be a place that is set in a world that is not the world in which I already live, as far as I know. This question is hard. I don't know how my guests ever pick an answer. If any of you are listening right now, I'm recognizing this is a hard question, okay? Um, And all of you have so far answered it beautifully. And you've inspired me. And so I think I've found the show in which I'd want to live. Or rather, I've found the show in which I'd want to die. Hmm, I might have just given it away. Okay, it's The Good Place. Now, I've mentioned The Good Place before in this podcast because I love it. I talked about it in my episode about the best tearjerkers in television. That episode was season three, episode seven. So if you're not familiar with The Good Place, I would encourage you to either just watch it or if you're looking for a more, you know, time-conscious method, you could just IMDb what it's about, or you could go listen to my tearjerkers episode, hint, hint, hint. But essentially, the show is about where people go after they die. And it's a sitcom. (laughs) Death is usually not so funny, but here it's hysterical. It paints the afterlife as a place where there are parties for people who enjoy parties and lots and lots of books for those of us who are introverts. And there are close friends and partners available to accompany the introverts who do love to read, but also enjoy a good party now and then so long as they don't have to social butterfly themselves around small talking one stranger after another because introverts find those situations exhausting. Okay. And it's like the freaking Wizard of Oz. And I'm Dorothy. So it's like, Ted Danson, you were there. And Maya Rudolph. Oh, and Jamila Jamil, you were there too. Right? The cast is just delish. But they are not the reason why this show is my choice for the show I wish was my real home. I'm choosing this show because of how much I hope it's real. I've been thinking a lot lately about what happens to people when we die. Um, I got close to this topic in the first episode of season three, which was the episode on faith and spirituality. And my guest was the ethereal second opinion, Kenya Raymer. Love you, Kenya. But there are a few aspects of that topic that we were not able to fully sort through. And that's no shade to us because it's probably the largest question facing humanity, right? You can only do so much in an hour plus long podcast, you know, so we did our best, but it's just that there's more to be said. And I think the good place is here to take us through one more little corner of the who are we, what are we, why are we ontological trinity, right? I think there's a difference 
well, for me anyway, between what I believe and what I know. And I know what I believe, but I also believe there's a lot I can't possibly know. And while I believe there is a good place, I realize that I don't know much about it. You know, and I'm a Virgo, honey. The devil, okay, well, the devil, as it were, (laughs) is in the details. So if there is a good place in, you know, capital letters, trademark, copyright, registered, have you ever thought about what it looks like? Is it the version the colonizers sold us with robes and sandals and fluffy white clouds everywhere? Maybe. Is it just warmth and light? Not so much consciousness, but just like existing or floating on the other side of consciousness? Maybe. Do we become stars? Constellations? Galaxies? Is the good place like a family reunion where everyone you've ever known who has crossed over is waiting for you on the other side at like a big park or something? Are my dogs there? Will I even be aware of what it is when I get there? Will I have control over how it all unfolds? Will I be over there watching what's happening on Earth like I'm over here watching what's happening on TV now? If I wish it to be so, will it be so? Is that how it works? After my soul ascends, will I still want to take naps? Because I really like naps. And if I nap, will I dream? And if I dream, will I dream of what it was like when I was alive? And if there's a good place, is there also a bad place? Will my modern living need for vengeance and justice that's so important for me here, now, will that disappear when I get to the next place? Will it still be important to me on the other side that those who play evil games earn evil prizes? I'm not sure. If we go by the model established in the good place, then quote-unquote bad people can get sent back to earth to try to redeem themselves. Redemption or revenge? Well, I'd like to think that redemption is probably the more eternal option. I deeply respect the way that The Good Place is global in its approach to this topic. I also love how it pulls from many different faith traditions, and it's careful to honor each of them without championing it or declaring any one of them the winner. That part feels good to me. I want to live there. Well, I want to be there. You know what? I want to be there later and I want to live there now. I want the real world to be a place where we can take our creation stories and compare notes, marveling at the similarities and the crossovers. I don't want to have to wait until my current vessel stops working to experience the bliss of that kind of collaboration. But maybe it's enough for right now that I can identify what that bliss could be. Maybe the genius of this show is not in whether it is or is not close at all to our biological and or spiritual reality, but rather how it entices even old skeptics like me to make our present, to make our life as close to the good place as possible. Because that's the show where I'd like to live, maybe it can serve as a model 
for the actual quote unquote show that I call home. I hope it's a very, very long time before I know or any of my loved ones know for sure what's really going on. I'm dedicating this episode and sending love and strength and hope for a full recovery to anyone who is struggling right now. But a long time from now, when our struggles are over and our stories are complete, I would love to catch up with you on the other side in the good place. So we have now reached that part of our appointment where it's time for me to give you some instructions for what to do when we part ways, just in case you don't remember everything we discussed. If you're new to the show, I'll encourage you to check out some of my older episodes. There's plenty of good stuff back there to enjoy. And, uh, you know, it is still weird for me to ask, but I would really deeply appreciate it if you could go give me five stars or 10 smiley faces or whatever the best rating is where you get your podcasts. And if you could leave me a glowing review, it would mean so much to me. Because when you do that, it lets the podcast platforms know that you like my show and it convinces them to let other people know about it. Let's keep the conversation going on social media, shall we? Let me know about what you think about the medicine I prescribed for you here. Find me on Instagram and Twitter at T-E-E-V-E-E-P-H-D and go check out my website over at thetvdoc.com. You'll find an easy way to submit some symptoms for me over there. There's some show notes and some extras, and there's also a link to purchase some merch from the TV Doctor's Tea Public Store. I've got some new designs on deck, and I cannot wait for you to see them. So once again, I want to thank you so, so much for your love and support. And as RuPaul says, don't. Just kidding. I'm not going to say that. I don't want to get sued. I was just going to say, don't forget to schedule your next appointment on your way out. Bye. Bye.